Notes from the Upper West Side, a novel by Dan Wrench. Chapter 91 The Doables. Reliving my humiliations and writing them down like this made me have to push the keyboard away and head downstairs for some suds. So about an hour ago, I stomped into the mermaid like an alcoholic storming a brewery. The bartender there, Mike, served me up a frosty mug and told me he was quitting the bar in two weeks because he just got a new job with an ad agency as a producer. What does a producer do at an ad agency, I asked. He looked at me with blue steel in his eyes. Dude, he makes sure the doables get done, he said. Cool, I said. I grinned. Fuck that guy. Any other day I'm down there, Mike is running around in a fever. Four customers walked in last week pretty much all at once and sat at the bar and they wanted exotic drinks and he was the only bartender on duty. He spent a solid three minutes or more pacing back and forth really fast like a bug in a jar muttering, Oh my God, oh my God, only slightly under his breath. Then he dropped a glass mug and squatted to pick up the shards. Only before picking them up, he held his head in his hands for a second, yelled, Oh my fucking Christ! Really loud. One of the customers got up and looked over the counter and said, Hey, kid, you okay, kid? Tonight, Mike is cool and calm. Nothing can rattle him. He's a guy who makes sure the doables get done. Christ in a rickshaw, I'd pay money to see a video of Mike on the day of his first deadline at an ad agency. I laughed in the bar thinking about it. What's so funny? Mike asked. Honeymooners reruns, I said. But enough procrastinating. Back to last April. So like I said, I had this ironic heart on. I'm out on the street and it's what, only 7.30 at night? I looked around, kind of sneaky. Part of me thought Cammie might still be in eyeshot and I didn't want to be seeing her in public right then. Which reminded me that starting the next day I would be a joke she told to all her pals. I wanted to squat down and hold my head in my hands and say, Oh my fucking Christ. Or maybe that's just the way I think of it now after seeing a guy do that a few days ago. People in the streets, they were looking in the big bright storefront windows like they had sex all the time and it was no big deal and nobody would ever laughed at them in a hotel room. You people need to take bigger risks, I thought. The whole world was my enemy. Not just the people out on the sidewalk, every single object, even the inanimate ones. I remember standing there under a street lamp and thinking, where is this hard-on coming from? I thought you needed to be aroused for these drugs to take effect. But the truth, I was aroused. I still needed to pound tail. I needed to bend it over, fill it, push it up and up and up and up and grind it off as deep as it could go. I had some alternatives. I could go home and try to avail myself of the wife. She would be home. The boys would still be awake. I could say I got off work early for some reason. It might have been a nice surprise. But there was a good chance she would say, You are not 
availing yourself of me. I definitely should have given that option more thought, though. I mean, when I look back on it, I have this wisdom. But at the time, going home for wife sex felt like an invitation to more rejection followed by an evening of kids and television and an immense boner laughing at me from the inseam of my brand new dockers. I could call Fern. She knew how to handle the Admiral. Sure, she was porky, but right then I was thinking, fat chicks who know they have no choice but to serve my cock are the best chicks of all. And what if I could modify Fern slightly in my imagination? I like curvy girls. Big curvy girls eating pizza and undressing, those are some of the best girls. But like I said a few dozen chapters or so ago, Fern was not a big curvy girl. She was beyond big and curvy the way Mount Rushmore is beyond a dashboard bobblehead. Modifying her in my imagination would mean keeping the lights off. I called her up anyway. She was at work and a little surprised and had to move some things around on her schedule, but she sounded pretty happy to hear the evil I had in mind for her. Oh, she giggled. <laughs> I'm on the pill, okay? So you don't worry about jamming me. She giggled again. She could get out of work for an hour in about half an hour, so I said, see you soon, and hung up and headed on foot to the Commodore to bang fat fern. I hit the hotel bar first and ordered up a couple screwdrivers so I could get just drunk enough to stop dwelling on the cami part of the evening. I tried the vodka with cranberry juice for some reason I can't remember because if you knew me, you'd know I hate anything with cranberry juice. I was starting to float a little. I was at that point where I could look around at the world like I was a little outside of it. I was hoping Kurt Libby might be there. I thought he had a shift that night, but nah, no Kurt. Probably home watching his wife say prayers. Just as well. One less person to make up a story for. Notes from the Upper West Side is a work of fiction. The people depicted in this work do not exist. Notes from the Upper West Side, copyright 2022 by Dan Wrench.